You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me as always is my glamorous assistant, Tony Kerr. Oh uh, uh, no. Right, carry on. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, yeah, not bad actually, Tony. And right off the bat, I've got an announcement to make. Uh, I know I quite correctly described you as my assistant just then, but there could be a promotion in the offing for you because um, I'm leaving. This is, fantastic news. This is going to be my last podcast. Pretty uh, happy about that. I've had a good run. You know, I've, at times I've enjoyed hosting this uh, this little show, but I've now received a much, much better offer. Uh, as of next week, I'm actually going to be taking up a position at CNN, uh, replacing Piers Morgan in the primetime evening slot. Adam Bayfield tonight premieres next Monday. It's a bold choice for CNN, I think, but you know, I'm sure you'll agree. I didn't it's Morgan, the right choice. Didn't Piers Morgan get the boot because he was too English and he talked about cricket too much? I think they were... Well, in my discussions with CNN, they were a little bit nervous about, about the accent because, yeah, that, I think that is one of the reasons why they got rid of him. But I said to him, I said, I could do any accent you want, mate. What do you want? I was like, what do you want, Aussie, Kiwi? Yeah, I think... Felix Baumgartner, I can do it in Felix Baumgartner if you want. That's a big... Yeah, I'm not going to stand in your way, mate. It's quite a big gig. You know, you will be hated by everyone. You are hated anyway, but you're giving you a bigger platform. Just uh, hated by a bigger audience. Yeah, I know you try really well to cover up all that Twitter abuse you get. Major feuds with Alan Sugar. <laughs> it's all in the reckoning. Are you Jeremy an Arsenal Clarkson. fan? Are you enough of an Arsenal fan? Have you been relishing Piers Morgan's demise as much as everyone else in Britain this week? Tony, it does seem like the country has just been seized by a wave of uh, schadenfreude. Yeah, I d- <sighs> I don't really care. I don't know. I, I'm not really, I wasn't really that interested in it, to be honest. So I expect you're pleased that I brought it up on the show. Yeah, yeah, really great. I, I don't really care when anyone from Britain goes to do stuff in America because generally there are our worst kind of things, <laughs> aren't they? You know, what, Robbie Williams? One Direction, S Club 7. <laughs> well, I, I think S Club 7 did it the wrong way around, didn't they? They kind of broke America in their TV show and then and didn't actually make it, I don't know. Yeah, so it's not, it doesn't really bother me. There are ambassadors, really, aren't they? British media does seem to have a fascination with people of no consequence. And I don't know, it might seem a bit harsh. I did used to hate Piers Morgan as well, before it was cool to hate Piers Morgan. <laughs> uh, this is another is example of you not liking anything that's popular, no, even if true. that popular thing is disliking someone <laughs> that you don't like. It is true, though. You can... You can you can check my timeline on Twitter, uh, but yeah, I did used to like. I used to hate Piss Morgan right back in the day. You know, I used to hate his early stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame. I mean, everyone seems so delighted about it. I think it's a shame because you know he's just he seems like a really nice guy, and it's just it's more proof that nice guys never finish first. So. But yeah, I don't know. People in Britain do have a fascination with people of no consequence, as I said before. For some reason. <laughs> 
Just say it again if you want. I feel like I'm doing stand up now. <laughs> just, I've been like heckled and now I just get, you know, I've got to redo the joke to try and like, try, try and twig what I was going to say. Uh, but like, you know, footballer Nar Ranger, you know him? What did he play for Newcastle? Yeah, he's basically a young footballer who used to play for Newcastle. A uh, bit of a troublemaker, that's probably an understatement. Yeah. You know, not a very smart kid, done a lot of stupid things. Long gone from Newcastle, he's not even in the Premier League. He's barely made an impact in football. Uh, but he did, a, you know, he did a, a really bad thing quite a while ago, I think now. Like I say, he's no longer really on the, you know, he's not really in, in the footballing kind of mind space. But yet somehow The Sun, which I believe is Britain's most popular tabloid, I don't know. The Sun had him on the front page yesterday. That's bewildering to me. Like, why... Anyone cares? Well, because people who don't follow football, the Sun can just sell that as a footballer has done this bad thing. And then people who don't like football, will yeah. they can use that as ammunition for why football's rubbish. But you can't say that Piers Morgan is on the same level as Niall Ranger. Piers Morgan, well, okay, uh, yeah. I, regardless of what you think of him, arguably, you know, a more high-profile figure. <laughs> yeah, arguably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I d- yeah. Well, yeah, OK, uh, I'll take that. But... What has he actually done, though? Really? <laughs> well, no, that's a very good question. I mean, and that, I mean? You know, that is the question that I and seemingly most of Britain have been asking for the last decade or more. But nonetheless, he is famous and has hosted this show on this CNN. Show? <laughs> 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 Pass me both. He's not hosted this we? show. Well, there was that one week when I couldn't make it. Oh, I think yeah, you were I skiing as well, me. and it was just Piers Morgan. That would be quite. That would be quite good if. If I took over the Piers Morgan slot and Piers Morgan took over yeah. this slot... We'd certainly do enough for our, do a little bit for our ratings. I'd be interested to hear the dynamic between you and Piers Morgan. I, I think, think, I think you'd, you'd have some great banter. I think, we'd, uh, I think we'd be good chums. He's a bit more of a, sort of a, a hard-nosed, a bit more experienced interviewer than me as well, so <laughs> he might finally get to the bottom of what you've been up to at the weekend. Yeah, think true. He might be able to draw that. I listeners would appreciate. No, he did, you know, he did, I guess, do something... You know, he made a good career for himself. You know, he got to the role of editor... You know, at a big newspaper, which you know, presumably Daily Mirror, yeah, presumably had to show some ability and you at know, the what, age of twenty nine, some, some nous, whatever. Uh, but after leaving that and then uh, going into the world of TV, he hasn't really done anything in TV of any significance, has he? He does that really annoying Piers. I think is it Piers Morgan's life stories? Is yeah, that Piers yeah. Morgan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is the title <laughs> of the show. <laughs> yeah, Piers Morgan life stories <laughs> featuring Piers Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, that is just some of the worst garbage. It's Piers Morgan's Life Stories with Piers Morgan. <laughs> it's the title of that show. Well, he was on America's Got Talent. He was one of the judges on well, America's on Britain's Got, Got Talent. Talent he was he? on Britain's Got Talent, yeah. But I he... forgot that is the, that's the ultimate goal of <laughs> any career, is to eventually get on Britain's Well, don't Got say Talent. that's not your goal, Tony, because I've seen you send off your CV every <laughs> year. But somehow they keep giving it to I'd actually turn Amanda it down. Holden. I would turn it down. <laughs> That's the, the two things I would turn down a place or you know, a judging role on Britain's Got Talent and a knighthood. I'd never accept those. And, well, and neither of them are going to be offered to you, so I wouldn't worry too <laughs> well, much. Not, about. Yeah, anyway, mate. That yeah. um, Piers Morgan's Life Stories with Piers Morgan, uh, I flicked onto ITV the other week, uh, and that was on, and he was interviewing Ian Botham. Real ego contest that was, <laughs> I tell you. It was something to behold. That's brilliant. There wasn't actually enough room for a studio audience in the, in the room because <laughs> their egos were too big. They're getting in the way. Uh, well, anyway, I mean, arguably we should be talking about cricket. This is a, this is a cricket podcast, mm. but I guess 
Piers Morgan at least sort of we could we could make a case that he's well, at least slightly yeah, related to cricket. Tangentially involved. I think he's singly responsible for upsetting <laughs> Kevin Peterson. Solely responsible for uh, annoying Matt Pryor <laughs> yeah. to be at the centre of all of England's troubles this winter. You got uh, bowled at by Brett Lee as well over the winter. So at least a little bit related to cricket. So if he focused less on Kevin Peterson and more on his own career, he might still be in a job. <laughs> but uh, but anyway. We're not just going to talk about Piers Morgan tonight uh, because there's been a lot of cricket happening this week. A thrilling test match in Port Elizabeth after a crushing defeat in Centurion. South Africa did an Alan Partridge and bounced back uh, and won that game. So there's lots to talk about there. Uh, We're also going to be talking a little bit about cricket and sexuality as well, which could be interesting. So stick around. Uh, But before we get going, just an early warning Warning, probably the wrong word, I guess, or maybe the right word. Uh, The World 2020 is coming up and we're, as with all major cricketing tournaments, uh, we're going to be running a World Cricket Show Fantasy League. Well, I say that, I mean, we're going to be sort of piggybacking on, you know, an arguably more major website. Uh, At the moment, we're not sure whether that's going to be Crick Info or the uh, the official game. We'll have a look at both and see which we prefer. But yeah, there's going to be a Fantasy League and we're going to be setting up a, a World Cricket Show mini league. So this is just to let you know in advance. Start thinking about who you might want to start pick. Start researching. And, you know, the format of this year's tournament is such that basically the qualifying is happening at the start of the... You know, it's all roll into one, isn't it? So, you know, you will need to be picking players from the pool, probably. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's two, there. there's two kind of qualifying groups, isn't there, with Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Nepal, etc., before the main event kicks off. So, as you say, yeah, you need to really be thinking about who you want in your team from the kind of minnow nations early doors yeah that early tournament is going to be you know you i mean you'll probably find yourself cut adrift at that point as as has happened in previous years as well well i think if we look back at the history books you'd be hard pushed to argue that you've got a superior record to me in these things uh unless you took a sort of postmodern approach to history is that how you approach history tony you are you in the postmodernist school anything goes it's like the return of martin guerre it doesn't really matter if it's true it's as long as it's an entertaining narrative and it gets something across. I mean, are you up to up to speed on your Hong Kong cricket? Well, I'll have to be. Yeah, I will have to be because that starts on what March? That's is it March the sixteenth? Uh, it does March Sunday, March sixteenth. But the sort of bigger nations don't get going until when? March the twenty first? March twenty second. You're way out, mate. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of cricket to look forward to in that. A lot of cricket to look forward to. Oh, so much cricket, arguably too much cricket. There's a lot of cricket happening at the moment. <laughs> well, there's a lot of cricket happening always. Uh, and of course, we'll be right across it on the World Cricket Show. But yeah, just to let people know, that is coming up fast. Keep an eye on our Facebook page and on our Twitter. Uh, and we'll announce as soon as we've got the league up and running. Uh, and now, w- will there be a prize, Tone? We usually do a prize. What did we do as the prize last time? I think we did a World Cricket Show mug last time. I mean, sought after. Oh, yeah, we're putting, we can probably come up with something. Well, we've got, a lot, we've got a lot of World Cricket Show tat <laughs> we knocking around, haven't we? So. Contain a load of tat <laughs> dispatched at any major port in, you know, of your choosing. We'll have a rummage around uh, in the warehouse and we'll find something to give away for free. Yeah. Around the world. Let's kick off the show with our item around the world on which we talk about everything that's been happening around the world. Tony, are you looking at an article about cricket on your iPad there? What, no, there's a footballer in that. No. That's that's an no. article about football, Tony. No. Pay attention, mate. It's Get about, your head in the no, game. No, it's not. It's about, it's about cricket. Well, why are there footballers in it? Aha, it's about... It's about, yeah. It's about what we're going to be talking about later on. But, Tony, focus, because we're talking about 
South Africa and Australia right now because that test series between South Africa and Australia is approaching a sensational conclusion. I thought you were going to say denouement. Come on, Tan, I would never use such a pretentious word <laughs> no, not as not. that. Almost every... You know me. Every roundup that you do of a test match, you know, ends in some kind of thrilling or underwhelming denouement Denou- at some stage. Ooh, denouement. <laughs> oh, what kind of word is that? Ridiculous. Makes you sound like an idiot. Well, anyway, last week we discussed the first test in Centurion uh, where Mitchell Johnson destroyed the hosts. Uh, but the tables were turned in Port Elizabeth, South Africa winning to set up an extraordinary denouement in Cape Town. Uh, that game will begin at the weekend. But yeah, the second test, South Africa won the toss, chose to bat first, uh, they were in trouble again at 11 for 2, uh, but recovered well and eventually posted 423 hundreds for AB de Villiers 116. And JP Dumini 123. Nathan Lyon took five wickets, uh, but it looked like a pretty decent total that from South Africa. But it was a flat pitch, so Australia would have been thinking they could get up to that score, uh, but they didn't get too close to it actually. They were 128 for 6 at one point, managed to fight back a little bit to avoid the follow on. Uh, and they got 246. Vernon Flander took three wickets. Mornay Morkel, three wickets. South Africa went out, posted a rapid 270 for five before declaring Hashim Amla made 127, not out. That set Australia a target of 448, but it was really a case of would South Africa get all 10 wickets before the forecast rain arrived? Uh, and it didn't look like they were going to when Australia were 126 without loss. Um, Dave Warner and Chris Rogers together. But then Dale Steyn happened. He took four for 55 as Australia were blown away for 216. Rogers made a century, Warner made 66, but otherwise no one made double figures. Australia were bowled out for 216 on the fourth evening to lose by 231 runs. That fourth inning scorecard read 107-66, 5-none, 1-none, 1-6-6-3-none. So yeah, a a huge win for South Africa. Leaves the series poised at one all. And as I say, all set up for a very exciting denouement in Cape Town. It's the denouement of denouements. <laughs> the denouement to end all denouements. Uh, incredible scenes on that fourth evening tone. Australia, as I say, were 1-2-6 for none. The pitch was absolutely dead, deader than Piers Morgan's career. Uh, and with heavy rain forecast, as I say, for day five, it just didn't look like there was any way that a result could happen. Uh, and this was just all about Dale Stane, wasn't it? I'm not, I'm not sure that I've ever seen a human being quite so pumped up as that. I don't know about you. Yeah, fiery, angry. It was an interesting ending. I mean, it, Australia did get themselves into a really good position, but yeah, where did it all go wrong? Well, I, I'm not sure it was... I mean, yes, it, you could say that Australia played a part in their own demise. Oh, we yeah, we talked mean, about, you know, the, the psychology of collapses before, and I think that was very much... I think both teams felt that if, if it, the game wasn't over by the end of day four, that it would be a draw because the forecast was so appalling for day five, and I think it did rain all day on day five. So Australia may have been thinking once they got to one two six for none that they'd save the game. And then once wickets started falling, that may have made it even more of a panic because they, they didn't think they had to actually survive that long. But I think you've just got to give a huge amount of credit to South Africa, Dale Stane in particular, because that was just a fantastically exciting spell of bowling and an incredibly skillful one as well. It was a reverse swing, wasn't it? Those, those wickets of uh, Steve Smith and Brad Haddon, hmm. balls arrowing in very, very late at tremendous pace i mean it just doesn't get much better than that no it's great i mean yeah he chucked down some unplayables uh i mean australia haven't scored many many runs have they you know they've they've blown away 
England blew away South Africa in the first test, but you know the whole way along, really not scoring many runs. And uh, yeah, South Africa got too many, didn't they, in the first innings for the, kind of the way this Australian side is set up to win cricket matches. Uh, and then Australia didn't get enough in their first innings. That's my analysis. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've just looked at the maths up there, haven't you? Yeah, the, done the maths. Added up the totals and calculated that Australia. Yeah, clearly didn't Mitchell Johnson was less front. effective in this game. Uh, and to be fair, you know, Stain as well in the first. It wasn't Stain who did the damage, was it? In the, in the first. No, it was. Well, Philander and Morkel took three wickets apiece, but Morkel in particular was was terrific. That was him at his very best. Yeah, and when Morkel and Stain and Flander are at their top of the game like that, it's very difficult for any side. And as you say, all the way through the Ashes and, and even into this series, we've been thinking, well, if a, if one of these sides can get a score on the board, it will put Australia under pressure. And that, that is what happened. Um, and yeah, this South African attack when they bowl like that, devastating. I mean, Stain, you know, even before this game and this spell, there was no doubt that, you know, he, he is going to go down as one of the all-time greats, you know, in... Of boulders currently playing, arguably of cricketers currently playing, I'd say he's the only one who's certain to go down as an all-time great now that Jacques Callis has retired. And of bowlers to have taken more than 200 test wickets, Stain has done it at the best strike rate, 42 balls per wicket, which is, yeah, better than anyone ever, better than Wackar, better than McGrath, better than Ambrose, Marshall, all bowlers is what I'm trying to say, Warren Murray. Um Some of those names that I've mentioned have got better averages than Stain, although his isn't bad. But th- there's an argument that strike rate is the real kind of measure of, For a, of, a, bowler's bowler. great, of a bowler's greatness. And you know, he is the best. And yeah. this was him at his very best. No, I agree. For a for a new ball for a new ball wicket taking bowler, yeah, strike rate is the is the first number. You know, you can afford to be a little bit more kind on the runs. Uh but yeah, I, I agree. You know, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and he was overshadowed by Johnson in the first test. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, maybe his ego would have been hurt a little bit if, if he's got one. You know, I don't. He probably has. But you know, I mean, yeah, maybe Johnson's burnt out. Yeah, has he? Is he? Is he, he gone? Is he? This is form now. Is it over? Well, I wanted to talk about this because you know, last week we were absolutely raving about Johnson and you know, essentially writing off Stain. Who's Dale? Who rubbish? <laughs> it's all about Mitchell Johnson, and now this week it's Mitchell. Who? It's all about Dale Stain because yeah, both have had one quiet game and one sensational game I hope that in general we weren't sort of writing South Africa off last week you know I'm going to backpedal now if we were I guess there is a danger that you can get carried away with something like Centurion because South Africa have been so dominant for so long that when they get blown away like that it's very exciting and you sort of want you know a a narrative forms doesn't it that maybe they weren't as good as we thought or it's going to happen repeatedly and that is something that you do see across the cricket media because most of the cricket media is very reactionary, very knee-jerk. Perhaps one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast in the first place is because we we were quite frustrated with that. But I, I guess sometimes we get swept up in it too. So South Africa possibly reminding us in Port Elizabeth to be a little bit more cautious in our judgments. I mean, I'm talking to myself here mainly, but uh, <laughs> but also yeah, giving uh, you a little uh, admonishment too. It's difficult to, to say, isn't it? You know, when a side destroys a team like Australia did destroy England and then goes and does it in the backyard of the team who's number one in the world you're right to think that they're there and you know there's nothing to say you know it's, it's a really hard one to call as to who's <laughs> going to win this third test I don't want to pick it yeah no absolutely I mean Australia might go out and win again in Cape Town but I guess my point is that even if they do it won't change everything as far as South Africa are concerned it won't change the fact that Stain and Amler and Philander and Walker are world-class performers and equally 
the fact that Australia have been blown away in this game doesn't mean that all the improvement that we've sort of identified has been wiped out. You know, perhaps we just need to be a little bit more measured when we're talking about it. But yeah, South Africa, they got absolutely flattened in that first game, but they are the number one team for a reason. It happened to them in, in the UAE. They got beaten by Pakistan, but they came back and won the second test there. You know, they're, they're showing the resilience of a number one side, aren't they? And they're showing they're showing exactly why they have been so difficult to beat in a test series. And, and it was an incredible response from the whole team. I mean, it, the batsmen stood up, terrific hundreds from de Villiers, Dumini, Amler in the second innings, absolutely fantastic to set up that declaration, scoring quickly. Um, but it was the bowlers that brought about the win. And, you know, another thing we talked about last week was that while Stain was ineffective, his support wasn't really there. And that was maybe the key difference between him and Johnson. Um, Stain's support was was fairly toothless in comparison to Johnson's support. But in Port Elizabeth, Flander and Morkel were both absolutely superb. And given that Wayne Parnell got injured and, you know, they didn't really have a frontline spinner, that was a tremendous effort. They not only took 20 wickets, but they did it inside four days on a, on a very flat pitch. Monumental stuff. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, to do it inside four days, I think it's a, a really a big achievement. Uh, and as you say, there won't there weren't have been many in the South African dressing room who were, you know, who, who would go away from that test match feeling unhappy with their performance. Most contributed and contributed decisive contributions <laughs> <laughs> and contributed and made decisive contributions. So, yeah, I mean, it is all, it's tantalisingly set up, isn't it? Well, it's Saturday it gets underway. Right? That's correct. Exciting. Who do you think is going to win it? Well, it'd be it'd be tough to back against South Africa, you know, just from a kind of momentum point of view. But then obviously the momentum completely changed hands in this game. So it certainly wouldn't be a surprise if Mitchell Johnson went out and did something spectacular. But I, w- I would say that, you know, I, I think South Africa probably start as favourites just because I think they were caught a bit off guard in the first game. They weren't expecting Australia to be that good. They weren't expecting Mitchell Johnson to be that devastating. They were very confident, put Australia into bat. You know, they wanted to show them that, that they were still the big boys and they were just caught on the hop a bit. I think they've responded really well and that they're not going to be taken by surprise again. Um, so I think South Africa start as favourites for that reason, but you would not rule out Australia by any means. What about you? Who do you think is going to win? Uh, I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> Who are you consulting on your iPad? Just a quick Snapchat to... Uh, one of your mates. Just a quick Snapchat to Aggers. <laughs> see what he says. Just a quick uh, Snapchat to Piers Morgan. Uh, no, I think that, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on the fact that South Africa are clearly better than what they showed uh, in, in the first test. You know, what happened to England was brutal and we saw you know, much of the side you know, washed away like a you know, like a West Coast beach. That's a very Guernsey reference there. Uh but yeah, I think South Africa, you know, less so aside on the verge of kind of disintegrating, uh, but still susceptible as probably any side would be to the Mitchell Johnson effect. And England were the first people, were the first side really exposed to this new Mitchell Johnson uh, and they crumbled. Whereas South Africa, you know, they would have seen him, but props still were slightly caught up, caught up by him and... He dominated that first test. He less of an impact in here in South Africa win. So, you know, it, again, it is all about Mitchell Johnson probably in the third test. Is, it, is he getting tired? You know, it's a lot of cricket in a short space of time. Well, that's true. And, you know, you said last week it's difficult to believe that he could just keep doing it so consistently forever. But one slightly less effective game, you know, isn't really enough evidence. Yeah. We, we will see. He could very well do 
something similar to Centurion in Cape Town. Is it just a case of Johnson v Stain? Whoever has the better game, their team will win. Or is that overly simplistic? I think it's slightly overly simplistic. You know, we've spoken at length over the winter about the quality of Australia's bowling attack as a unit. Uh, and over the last few years, about the quality of the South African bowling attack as a unit. What you would say, looking at these two tests, is that, you know, Johnson dominated the first test in, in the wicket column. Uh, where Stain, you know, a phenomenal effort on the, on the final day, four wickets. But, you know, I think, what did he get, like five wickets in the game? So, you know, there were other contributions there. And, you know, if Australia don't get enough runs in their first innings, then you feel like they're not in as nice a position as they've been over the winter to kind of pile on the misery and, and get loads of runs. Yeah, the one key difference, I think, is uh, between the Ashes and this series is Ryan Harris, who, you know, was just phenomenal in the Ashes. Both Ashes series, in fact, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but in this series has been much less effective, only three wickets so far, an average of 74. And, you know, he, he delayed having surgery to play this series. And he said in an interview now that, you know, he basically all but said that that was a mistake because his his knee is clicking and locking and is painful and he's he's struggling, I think. And there's a there's a distinct possibility that he won't be selected for that final test. But maybe that's one big area where Australia's bowling attack hasn't been as incisive as it was against England. But I mean, saying that, it, Harris was still very effective and they were still very good in that first test, just maybe less so uh, in Port Elizabeth. So they might select someone like James Pattinson in Cape Town and you know, he's a bit of a wild card, could go either way, but no reason why he couldn't make a... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A big Johnson-style impact as well, because he's, he's got the pace for it. Yeah, you know, and this for a slight role reversal for the Aussies, really, uh, you know, South Africa were able to come into that second innings, play with a bit more freedom, score a bit more quickly, and, you know, it was Harris... He went for went for a bit of tap, didn't he? So Johnson staying though, that is the match if everyone wants to watch. Well, suddenly it feels like a great era for fast yeah, bowling, doesn't all it? Of a sudden. But maybe it's just these two teams and just these two bowlers. But it does make this series at least enormously exciting because it is the best thing in cricket, isn't it? A fast bowler on top of his game, best thing to watch by a mile. Can disappear very quickly though, can't it? You know, Jimmy Anderson was it second Test last summer, the best bowler in the world by distance by the end of the series you know who's Jim Anderson now I don't know <laughs> Do you know is he even going to get the team well almost any yes yeah. <laughs> is the answer to that question but I know what you mean I know where you're going with that Tain, so yeah. don't worry I'll keep it in the in the yeah. edit I know you're often worried about that <laughs> well, what I want to talk about now Tone is uh, cricket and homosexuality homosexuality so it's a hot button issue isn't it explain it then <laughs> <laughs> just a recap rerun <laughs> 
Oh, like a scorecard. Homosexuality, it's a, it's a hot, hot button, button issue. I don't know what that saying, means. Isn't it? I mean, you might have seen it in the news. You might have seen them talking about it on uh, social media, on the, on the social media. You might have seen it in uh, people talking about it in YouTube videos or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a sensitive topic, but, you know, it's something that I wanted to talk about on the show for a little while because with, uh, well, with the controversy over uh, gay athletes in Sochi uh, and then with Thomas Hitzelsperger, former Aston Villa and Germany midfielder announcing at the beginning of January that he is gay. He's not playing top-level football anymore, but he used to. And that prompted a lot of discussion in the football media. I'm sure you saw that, a lot of navel-gazing, a lot of hand-wringing, um, asking the question why there's not, there's still not in 2014 an openly gay does, footballer in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like though it's, it's reaching a bit of a, uh, I was going to say watershed, but, you know, there's a, the first openly gay NBA player, Jason Collins. There was also, I can't, I can't think what his name is now off the top of my head, uh, a chap, isn't there, in NFL... So, I mean, it's as I say, all, it's been in cross sport. So, as I say, it's been in the news, hasn't it, Tony? And you have seen it in the news. And yeah, I mean, Tom Daly uh, revealed he's in a relationship with a man. But there is nonetheless uh, a suggestion that football is sort of uniquely behind the curve in this regard. Or, I mean, perhaps it's just because football is by a mile the, the you know the, the most uh, popular sport in Britain. But it you know that is what everyone talks about. Why is there no? openly gay player in the Premier League. Yeah, I do think I do think that's a bit of a and you know, we mentioned already that people like to to pick the holes in football for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, it is the most popular sport and you know, footballers and football fans, you know, have in uh, on occasion done some unsavory things, but yeah, I don't you know, it's definitely not a problem unique to football, is it? No, absolutely not. We should be talking about it in cricket as well. Stephen Davis came out 3 years ago. At that time, he was he was England's reserve wicketkeeper. Uh, he'd just been on an Ashes tour. So he was a pretty high-profile player. And at the time, I guess we thought that he'd be the first of many, you know, that other players would sort of follow his example. But actually, three years on, he remains the only openly gay professional cricketer. You know, and maybe there's a danger tone that he acts as a sort of salve to cricket's conscience because, you know, when people are wringing their hands about football and writing all these articles about, you know, the fact that there are no openly gay players in the Premier League, Cricket fans can say, oh, well, you know, there's Stephen Davis, so cricket's okay. But actually, he, as I say, he is the only one. Does cricket have the same problem as football? I guess so, yeah. You, you know, it, clearly it's not as, there's not as much spotlight on cricket. So in some respects, you'd think it would be easier for, for cricketers to be honest about their sexuality. I don't know. You know, reading what Stephen Davis has had to say kind of about it in the past, you know, he's... He's talked about, when talking about football, you know, in, in football, if you've got a baying crowd of, you know, many thousands of people, you know, football football grounds tend to be slightly more hostile than cricket grounds uh, and much more kind of tribalism and stuff. So that, I could see why that, that might be an intimidating factor. But in cricket, you'd think, you know, it's, a, it's an easier environment in which to, to express yourself. So I don't know. The Barmy Army can be pretty cruel, uh, as, you know, people like Mitchell Johnson would attest, but you would like to think that that would not be an issue, certainly for the Barmy Army and for any cricket fans anywhere. And even if it was, it's not the same thing as having, you know, 50,000 people in banks rising above you, yelling abuse. It's just the nature of uh, football grounds and the number of people that attend them compared to cricket grounds. It's just a different thing. So you would like to think that that, that that wouldn't be a reason for cricketers to not come out in the way that it perhaps is in football. I mean... I would like to think that 
football crowds now that that would not be so much of an issue as it would have been in the 80s or the 90s. I think that's probably true, although I'm sure it would still be slightly problematic. But there's certainly a perception that that would be a problem, which might be what prevents people from coming out. But you would like to think that that's not, you know, that's not too much of an influence on people's thinking in cricket. Yeah, it's quite, you know, it's quite a complicated issue. Uh, it's difficult to talk about, you know, n- neither being gay or a professional sportsman. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to empathise with the situation. But you'd have thought the way things are going now, actually, you, when you look, you look at the reaction that uh, Tom Daly's had, you know, he was already an enormously admired and kind of popular kind of public figure and, and sportsman, you know, much to my annoyance because I, I just don't think falling into water is a sport but uh since he's come out yeah he's received huge amounts of support from you know all walk you know all corners uh and you know not to not to bring it back to money but you know he's, he's a i'd say he's even increased his kind of marketability and his like so I'd, I'd say there's actually probably an incentive there for for players to be honest about this. i think it, i think actually actually it would benefit them on so many levels if they were to be more open i know you know i don't know how easy it is to come out particularly in that situation but you know you'd imagine that a sportsman high profile sportsman coming out would in, would welcome so much support uh, and you know their profile you know not just I don't know, that sounds really cynical but i don't think there'd be that many people who'd be straight off the bat coming out and saying no oh, it's the wrong thing to do or you know yeah you disgust me i don't, just don't think that happens and, and just the, the other point i wanted to make was in terms of the crowd when you compare it to something like racism you know it's it's not if someone makes a gesture in a crowd now, that boom, like their face is all over Twitter, their face is all over the news, and they're you know they're arrested immediately afterwards. It's not very hard, you know. I think people would call out individuals who were being abusive about something that you know they've no right to be. So I think it, I think it would change pretty quickly. I think you're probably right. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's it's maybe not the easiest thing for us to discuss. I mean, as you know as two straight white males in a pretty liberal place. It's, it's, it's arguably quite easy for us to sit around and just say, oh, uh, people shouldn't worry about prejudice or discrimination. They, they shouldn't worry about coming out. I mean, there are many parts of the world and many parts of this country where coming out for anybody is still a, a very, very difficult thing to do. So doing it when you're a famous sportsman and therefore under the magnifying glass is even more difficult. So, yeah, it, it is still a difficult thing to do. But, as you say, it does seem like the mood has changed compared to the mood in the 90s and, you know, arguably a bit more recently than that as well. But then why aren't more cricketers coming out? Why is Stephen Davis still the only one? There, there must be a reason for it. Well, yeah, well, yeah agreed. Uh... Are they worried about sledging from the opposition? That's something that's, you know, somewhat unique to cricket. Are they worried that opponents would use that against them? I can't imagine they would be. I don't know. Like you know, you can't really compare bigotries, can you? It's a bit uh, maybe a bit distasteful, a bit difficult to do. But I'm not aware of cases, for example, of, of, of like racist sledging. I don't know. And presumably that would be that would be uh, identified and kind of brought to account pretty swiftly you'd imagine by well, you might remember those fellow the, players the I mean, Simons Harbajan yeah, and that was a huge and that was a huge issue issue yeah uh, and, and I, I guess some some you know there are, there are occasions where people in the heat of the moment say something that they would immediately regret so yeah I, I'd actually not, I'd forgotten about that incident 
there are a lot of people probably who'd still think of uh, homosexuality as not a black and white issue of like, you know, it is completely wrong to tease, you know, to to pass whatever comment you like about about it. You know, they probably see it as a kind of spectrum. They wouldn't say like, I, you know, I, I hate you because you're gay, but they might say make a comment they might make, a jo- it, yeah. you know, make a joke and i don't know so there are a lot yeah you'd presume there are a lot of people who still think it's acceptable you know i don't know yeah it's a tricky one i mean i i'm i was only asking the question about sledging i'm i'm i would be doubtful a that that would happen and b that people would be worried about that i i, I wonder whether it's more in both cricket and football actually less about opposition and actually more about their own teammates and not that they're worried that they'll be abused by their own teammates but maybe that they're worried that it might sort of put a bit of a wedge between them and their teammates or that it might you know they might cease to be sort of included as like one of the boy it might make their teammates sort of treat them differently to how they currently treat them maybe that's part of it and Hitzelsperger has spoken about how he was a little bit worried about that before he came out maybe that's part of it I mean there's another thing in cricket which is I mean we're, we're mainly talking about cricket in England here aren't we but Clearly, the engine of world cricket is India, where homosexuality is illegal. Uh, I mean, that law against it was revoked in 2009, but recently it's been reinstated, which is for gay people in India who in the last four years have come out has you know put them in real difficulty now. Perhaps no surprise, therefore, that no Indian cricketer has come out given that environment. It's also illegal in Pakistan and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, so, yeah, I mean, that's clearly going to be preventing cricketers from those countries coming out. But could it also be playing a part for cricketers in other countries, you know, with things like the IPL? Would they be worried about about their, you know, their brand as cricketers? Well, possibly. But that's it's such a recent innovation. The, the situation you described there, you'd think if it persisted and as the IPL becomes a bigger thing, then maybe maybe it would it would weigh heavier uh, it would weigh on people's minds. But on players' minds. But yeah, I, I, I can't see that that would be a factor right now. And, you know, in the last five to, you know, four years ago, you know, yeah, why weren't there, there more people? Why weren't there more cricketers? Pre-IPL. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then if we're talking about, it seems like recently the attitudes are shifting and as you said, it's sort of approaching like a, a watershed. This is the IPL era. So I, I don't know, maybe that is playing a part a little bit. What you want is for that situation in in India and the rest of the subcontinent as regards the law to change and as regards the culture to change. And it might help, you know, well, it definitely would help if, you know, a big Indian cricket superstar were to come out. I mean, they can't come out if they're not gay and it might be that at the moment that's not the case. But, you know, you you sort of want that to happen so that it can help to to shift some of these uh, ingrained attitudes. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, in the build-up to Sochi... There was a phenomenal amount of interest and media attention placed on the situation there, uh, which was exposed on so many levels and kind of made a mockery of by almost everyone, you know, the majority of the athletes who went to compete there. There was so much so much support. And, I, yeah, it was quite a bizarre situation all around, really. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it feels very bizarre for, yeah, as you said before, for, you know, when you're living in a liberal kind of place, it, it, it feels very strange. Yeah, that, that should still be an issue, and you know, and you would think that attention like that and ridicule is the best weapon, is maybe the only weapon that we have in that sort of fight. So, in a way, you think, well, that was a good thing then that the Winter Olympics were in Sochi because we wouldn't have been talking about gay rights in Russia without it. Whether it will actually change anything remains to be seen. But given that people were 
you know, quite a lot of people quite angry about the fact that, that the Winter Olympics were being taken there, given the situation. Should we be thinking about this as regards major cricket tournaments or gay rights is, you know, is in an even worse place in the subcontinent than it is in Russia? I know it's something to think about anyway. It still seems likely that something will change soon. You know, it, it would not be a surprise at all if a cricketer were to come out in the near future. And, and you would think that once the second player has come out and then the third, that it, there might be a bit of a domino effect. And at the moment, people are still a bit nervous because there's only one. But once there's four, five, six, then it, it, it might sort of um, snowball from there. But as we say, it, you know, it can be easy, I think, to just assume that these things are going to change. And you, you know, there, is, there is a worry that there might be a little bit of complacency about that in cricket and across all sports. So, you know, you would hope that, you know, this is something that the ECB and the other cricket boards are concentrating on. Part of the problem is, for me, is that, you know, it shouldn't really be, it shouldn't really be a thing, should it, that, that you shouldn't have to make a statement you know, or release, a, you know, make a press release or something, which is kind of seemingly what what happens. I don't know. It, it, the kind of the media have almost got a role to play as well in this. In that, you know, it, it was kind of excruciating when Tom Daly revealed his sexuality. That it was kind of like the big news, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like the media has a has a part to play in just letting people get on with it. Well, I don't know that. I mean, I agree with you that the goal for us as a society is that in the future, people won't have to reveal their sexuality because it won't matter. But the fact is that until there are lots of openly gay people in these sports, then it remains an issue because because of all the things that we've talked about. Difficult. <laughs> D- difficult. This is why I said it's a hot button issue, Tane. Yeah. That's what I meant by hot button. <laughs> Much like Piers Morgan's primetime chat show, this episode of The World Cricket Show is well and truly over. Oh no, just as we were getting going. But yeah, I'm afraid it is the end. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight, Tane? Oh, I've had a really good time. Thanks for inviting me down again. Now get out. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's been good, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, Piers is going to be in my chair next week, Tane. Looking so. forward to it. Let me real step up. I feel like, you know, I could do with someone of high calibre opposite me. Well, and you can talk about more hot, hot button issues guns. Next yeah. week on the World Cricket Show, guns. 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 Well, that's it. You love your guns, so <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll fit in right, right well over there. Did you shoot a gun when you were in America, or did you not? I don't think I've ever shot a gun in America. Where have you shot? When a gun? was I shoot? When was when? Oh, in Prague. Did you shoot? Oh yeah, a gun I've in shot Prague? guns. Yeah, I've shot guns. <laughs> I've shot guns in Prague. Yeah, I've shot yeah. guns. So I'm really good with a shotgun. It's a bit worrying. Uh, but I was really good at the shotgun. I was the best in the group. But I remember we were in like a Walmart or something, and you were oh, no, we perusing the, the rifles. Yeah, we looked at the guns. But then I'm sure you were talking about potentially going to shoot guns somewhere. Well, yeah, we. Uh, where is it? I can't remember where this was. It was in, it was in uh, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, in North Carolina, just befriended a chap who worked at the, on the gun counter at Walmart. Uh, and his dad had a gun range around the corner, and he gave us a really convoluted ex- explanation about how to get there, so we never went. Uh, but yeah, seemed like a nice guy. Not really that into guns, really, <laughs> to be honest. But it was, it was nice to fire them. It's nice to fire them. <laughs> guns. No, no, that's I, the I advertising yeah, I campaign. So. I don't. You know, I'll never join a gun club. I don't think. Okay. Well, another non-gun-related news. Uh, Trot's back, Tony, or he's going to be back. Jonathan Trot going to be back playing for Warwickshire in April. Better news. 
genuinely, I was genuinely very excited about that when I when I saw the headline. How long do you think it'll be till he's back in the test team? Well, I mean, he May. said he's determined to get his place back. There are what eight championship matches in previous years when there's like two championship matches. You say, well, probably not for that first series because he'll have to prove that he's scoring the runs. But eight championship matches is probably enough well, evidence. I mean, so if he is win- scoring the runs, yeah, and based on the winter, if he gets any runs in those eight, he'll be, he should be straight back in. Absolutely, and for me, it just changes the complexion of the the England batting lineup because. I was thinking, you know, you're scratching around trying to think of names so you could go in there and there's just like no one. There are no heavyweights or hardly any. But actually, if it's now something like Cook, Sam Robson, Trot, Taylor, Bell, that's just got a much better look to it, hasn't it? get Peterson back in there and away we go. I don't know if that's realistic. (laughs) Bring back Collingwood. Yeah. (laughs) Bring back Strauss. Bring back Graham Thorpe. Bang. We're away. Boom. Uh, Well, anyway, so I'm excited about that. Me too. Uh... What else have we got to talk about? The quiz is over, Tony. Quiz is over. The pub quiz. That, the, the pub quiz that we've been doing and talking about incessantly on the show. It was a six-week quiz. It was a sixth and final week this week. We came third this time. Third, respectable. Respectable, but still, we didn't win any of these weeks, which was very disappointing. I mean, listeners no doubt remember that last week we were bitterly complaining about the music round, saying that we couldn't get any answers right, that they were just bands that we'd never heard. Uh, we got 18 out of 20 this week. It was a lot easier. Yeah, a lot well, easier. Bands that we'd actually heard of, like REM. I've heard of REM. Yeah. So you've got to ask yourself the question, if we've got 18 out of 20 on that, where did it go wrong this week? Mm, good question. Well, one that round should have been one of the questions. One round was entitled beer, and another round was entitled cars, which are probably the two things <laughs> that I care about least I've in the world. Guns as well. <laughs> I mean, why there wasn't a question who, you know, who, who's the only openly gay cricketer? Boom. You know, <laughs> so, uh, the trouble with quizzes is, uh, quizzes is, is, the trouble with quizzes are, or is, uh, that, you know, I don't trust the people who are said to them. They've got stupid knowledge areas. They don't care about the same things as me. So, you know, quiz me on something I care about. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you were there for the, the cars around because you did, you and Jimmy did manage to pull out a few because I, I would have got zero i'd have literally got zero but i did i did contribute something because one of the picture round was pictures of celebrities and the link was that they'd all been in friends yeah i wouldn't have got any of those i knew all of them hey this is sort of revealing what i do with my free time just watch friends actually not so much anymore now i just watch veronica mars (laughs) but uh previously uh cricket related thing You'll be aware that Guernsey's cricket team have gone off to Malaysia. I'm aware. You're aware. Listeners probably aren't aware. No. Uh, Guernsey are in the World Cricket League. Me and you never made it. This is kind of, we were, we've said it before, but we were very much part of the lost generation uh, of Guernsey cricket where there wasn't really any, no one cared about us. No one wanted yeah, to coach us. Yeah, although one of the players in our team is now the captain yeah. of Guernsey. Anyway, so yeah, they've gone off to Malaysia to play. It's a lost generation. <laughs> I'm calling it a lost generation. I'm going to actually put that as my Twitter bio, I think. I'm going to put part of the lost generation of Guernsey <laughs> cricket. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Guernsey have gone off to Malaysia to compete in World Cricket League Division 5 alongside Jersey uh, and Nigeria and Tanzania and Malaysia and Cayman Islands. So, you know, exalted company in cricketing terms there. Uh, so we're going to follow, we're going to catch up with them at some point, maybe next week, but definitely when they get back. You were saying we could try and uh, phone Malaysia next week. Okay, is that Malaysia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get hold of Jamie Nisman. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll... Well, I don't know why you had to do it in an Australian accent. But we'll okay. dial into Malaysia. Is that Malaysia? Is that Malaysia? <laughs> yeah, we'll dial into Malaysia next week uh, and get an update because that's exciting. Everyone loves a bit of associate cricket. Tidy, tidy. 
Is that Malaysia? <laughs> That's going to be good, isn't it? Indeed. So we'll be talking about that. That's very exciting. Next week, we'll also be talking about England's ODIs in Antigua. Gets underway Friday, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Uh, it will have happened by the time people are listening to this. By the time you've edited this Or possibly thing. be happening by the time people are listening to this. Uh, we'll also be talking about what I'm sure will be a thrilling denouement in Cape Town. So, this yeah. weekend is stacked, man. It's stacked, man. <laughs> right. This weekend. I've got to go and get some food in me. I didn't take your advice to eat. I, I did suggest really. that you should eat, yeah. but didn't happen. Well, I'll just briefly uh, plug a few things. Okay. Facebook. Catch up with some correspondence. Facebook.com slash cricket show. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Tony is at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V double R. And I'm at Cricket Show, C R I C K E T S H O W. That is me, uh, but really it should just be the podcast, shouldn't it? So I, I was thinking I should I should get on Twitter myself because, you know, I, re- I really I feel a bit bad tweeting about things that aren't cricket. And I've got a lot that I want to say. I've got a lot of bonkers political views that I want, <laughs> that I want to get out there. You've got, you got a lot of tweeting into question time to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think that's quite a good, good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We can have a follower contest then. As yeah, well, the race to 210. <laughs> <laughs> I need one more, guys. Uh, no, I need, I've got to start tweeting more, but I think I just, I don't know, when I see other people tweeting and I just think like... It intimidates oh, you. No, I know, but I think I don't want to be that person. He's <laughs> just tweeted this inane. I don't, I, you know, it's really hard to gauge what's completely inane from what, you know, I leave that to you. <laughs> What I really should do is, anytime I think of something funny or, you know, insightful or yeah. inane, you know, on the full, on the full scale, I should send it to you, and then you should edit it. You should yeah. sub it and just push out the ones that you think. <laughs> kind of a logical... Send you the text back. It's a decent first effort, <laughs> but uh, I just had some notes. It's a hundred and forty character tweet. I've got six hundred characters worth of notes. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so yeah, I might set up an account this week. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know by next week's show. So yeah, follow us there. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. You can find all of this stuff on our website, which is cricketshow.net. Leave us a review on iTunes if you've got a spare couple of minutes, uh, because that really does help us out in attracting new listeners. Uh, And we mentioned last week about T-shirts. You sent me a text the other day, Tane, to say that you were on the case. Those were your words. On the case with the T-shirts. Well, there's going to be some exciting T-shirts coming up. kind of T-shirts you're not going to want to take off. Sounds. That's also what I'm gonna say. Sounds good, I guess. Yeah. Not sure. All like soft and cottony, and with like really nice screen printed fronts. Yeah. You just want that. Get excited. (laughs) You just want to wear it. Yeah. I just need something for the summer. So that people will just cuddle you. Yeah. It's gonna be nice. All right. Well, uh, I'm done. I think time to go have some food. Stay in school, everybody. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Yeah. Take it easy. Bye for now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.